When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You went online to switch your car insurance to Progressive so you could save money. But then you saw a friend request from an old summer camp buddy. And now here you are, clicking through photos of his kickball team from 2011. Oh, looks like they won the championship that year. Then he moved to Tulsa. Oh, a new tattoo. Yes, they said it was easy to save hundreds on car insurance with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Average Savings by New Customer Surveyed Who Saved in 2019. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to uh, episode 80 of Ghost in the Night on Hauntings and Paranormal Podcast. Today, we're going to revisit the Bothell Hell House. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bothell Hell House, this is a story of a house that had tremendous activity, and it was featured on Ghost Adventures back, I believe, in 2016. Now, this is a very controversial case, and... It's basically, what happened was, Ghost Adventures went there, they didn't find anything, they basically kind of steered the investigation into the fact that maybe Keith Linder, who was the, who lived in the house, and him and his then-time girlfriend, Tina, had documented all this amazing evidence, essentially, it was things being thrown, caught on camera, cabinets being opened up, all of them. Doors in the kitchen. The kitchen just tore up. Bibles being burnt. Um, a poster on the wall being burnt. To where, and the actual fire department had to come and, you know, put it, you know, make sure everything was okay. Had a lot of smoke damage. Crosses being set on fire. And a lot of this, Keith caught on camera. So, some of the claims and some of this camera evidence and were very, very good. And, I mean... You, if, once in a lifetime type activity that would, if this is completely and totally true, you know, it goes along, it could be, it goes along with like Amityville Horror House and some of these other high profile hauntings essentially. But with this episode, they did not find anything in their investigation. They, uh, the only piece of, I would say, paranormal type stuff or paranormal findings, would be they thought maybe Tina at the time, who lived there with Keith, um, could have been, something could have been attached to her. You know, they basically, he, she freaked Zach out. And if you watch that episode, it's called Demons in Seattle. But, it's, you know, it caused an uproar. People really lashed out at Keith um, and Tina at the time. And basically accuse them of wasting Ghost Adventures' time and all this. So I want to revisit this case. Now, I have had Keith on the podcast before. We did a, a long interview. It was episode 23, I think. It was called Surviving the Poltergeist. And there is a reason why I named that Surviving the Poltergeist. Because 
excuse me, um, a lot of the activity was poltergeist-like. Now, most people don't realize exactly what a poltergeist is. Poltergeist is basically caused by a person. A person that incites this type of activity. So it generally only happens when they're around. Um, a lot of times they enhance that type of activity. And a lot of times it is a female in the teenage years. They tend to psychically or somehow connect with the atmosphere or interact with something in the environment and it causes poltergeist type activity. A lot of poltergeist activity is things being thrown, um, levitation, things such as that. Just not your standard aberration or shadow figures or knocks or disembodied voices. There is a uh, definite scary type haunting when it comes to a poltergeist type haunting. And a lot of this activity that Keith and Tina had at this home could be classified as poltergeist activity. Now, that, I'm bringing that up now because later on in the episode, I'm going to bring up some stuff that might contradict that a little bit. And that is what makes this case so interesting. Um, before we get started, um, don't forget, I'm, I live stream these recordings most often. Um, generally, I do them on Tuesday. Tonight, it's Wednesday because I had some stuff happen and go on last night. So I'm doing it a little earlier than normal. <coughs> wow. Didn't cough all day and then now start going. I get live and coughing all over the place. But if you are checking this podcast out through the however you take it in your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want, go to Facebook, Ghost of the Night, and uh, you can join in live for the recording of these podcasts. Now, just so you know, next week, Keith is coming back on the podcast. That will be on Wednesday. He wants to come on when we actually do the live recording. So if you want to come on, interact some way, um, ask a question, we'll try to get that answered. Be sure to check out the live feed of the episode. And like I said, I generally do that on Tuesdays. But next week it's going to be Wednesday at 10 o'clock. So that's ghost or that's facebook.com slash ghost of the night. All one word. Scrunch it together. Okay. Now let's get back to uh, the Bothell Hell House. Now, as I said, they, Ghost, Ghost Adventures, when they did this episode, they really leaned it towards possibly that Keith and Tina were faking this evidence. They, because they didn't get anything, they were there for five hours, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, five hours. Anybody that's in the paranormal investigating world knows five hours isn't a lot of time to investigate. Your chances of getting things are very slim, even at a house that has crazy activity. If you've been on an investigation, you know you can have five hours at dead time. Very simple. I mean, it's very common. And I have been on investigations where I've been to a place and got tremendous activity, went back and got nothing. I've been to other locations that other teams or even paranormal shows have been to, got a lot of activity, and I haven't got anything. I received 
hardly an even an EVP. And this is common. And most often when you do a paranormal investigation, you need to go back several times. You need to spend multiple sessions there or mul multiple hours there on several different nights because the paranormal doesn't work on a clock. They don't punch a time clock. They just interact with you when they want to. And that is something that they, you know, you can't predict when the paranormal is going to happen. And when it does happen, you got to be ready for it. So if you don't get anything in five hours or so, it doesn't mean there's no activity there. It just means you didn't get it. They weren't interacting with you at that time. Maybe you brought some baggage into the environment and you were putting off that energy. And I've often wondered about these paranormal shows. I know they bring they bring crews in. You know, most of them have at least three, four, five people. Even when they're doing a solo investigation, most times, you know, they at least have a cameraman. I mean, some don't. Some actually do a true solo investigation where they hold the camera and do all that. I know Ghost Adventures, when they first started out, it was just basically three of them. And with production value, you know, naturally they, naturally they add more crew members. And so when you add people into an investigation, you don't know what they're bringing into the environment. You don't know, you know, their mindset, their mental state, their energy. That can change an investigation. I've, it's happened to me. I've been in a bad mood on an investigation and probably projected that out into the atmosphere. And something didn't, in a place that I get activity, I've had great experiences at and didn't get anything. Just maybe how we, and I've often thought, maybe we affect the paranormal that way. What we bring into the investigation will affect the evidence that we get. So that's why I always say when you go on, go on an investigation, you need to be clear-headed. You need to be in a good mood. You need to be level-headed and not expect activity, but be aware that you might not get activity either. So that is something you have to do when you investigate. But the point is, five hours isn't a lot of time to make a final judgment on what, on whether you know a place is haunted or a place has activity. It just is one aspect of it. You have to go back. You have to do further investigations. Um. So, anyway, let me just give a refresh. Activity. Keith and Tina moved into this place in 2012, I believe. Um. Immediately started hearing activity. And if you go back to the episode, he tell, lays out the timeline very well. But I'll kind of go over it here real quick for people who haven't listened to that episode or can't go back and check it out, which I don't know why you can't. It's very easy. Just go to ghostinthenight.com or ghostinthenightpodcast.com. Just go to episode 23 and check it out. Or go to YouTube. You can check it out there as well. But 2012, they started having activity. Happened immediately. And the interesting thing about, I guess I should say this, what really sparked this in my mind and why I'm doing this session and why um, I'm bringing Keith back on is because Ghost Adventures re recently did another episode, their Screaming Room episode, where they go revisit the case, just watch the episode, and they talk about it, and they give their opinion of it. And like I said, they basically, in the original episode, without coming out, coming outright and saying they faked the evidence they were just attention getters they implied it you knew what they thought and what they felt that is why this 
and I said this in the original podcast, when Keith reached out to me to come on the podcast the first time, I knew I knew the name. I, I The story was just ringing. I said, I know the story. Where do I know the story from? And it's because I had seen this episode. When he kind of sent me a little bit of information, I said, it hit me right there. And this this is that episode from Ghost Adventures. And it, this episode, when I saw it, caught my attention because I had never seen the Ghost Adventures crew or the Zach and at that time. Well, Nick had just left, I believe. This was about the time when it aired or when the investigation took place. It was when Nick and Zach split. They had never treated a client or a person on the show with that much of a heavy hand. They they never really came out and said, this is basically fake. They never implied it. They just they never questioned. They investigated. And I am not the biggest Ghost Adventures fan. Um I did like it in the in the beginning. Just for the mere fact when it came out, you know, basically if I'm not mistaken, Ghost Hunters came out, then immediately tra- Travel Channel, you know, copycatted and came out with Ghost Adventures. The show was interesting, and I liked the fact that they would do a lockdown. They would, you know, they made a big deal in the beginning. I don't think they do it as, maybe they don't even do it at all anymore, in which only spending five hours in the, uh, the Bothell Hell House there, it wasn't a true lockdown. Um, but I liked the fact that they would spend the night there and get locked in and they're in the environment. They're at one with the environment. That is what I liked about it. And I thought they did do some decent investigating. And really, I you have to give them a little bit of credit. I know I bash on them a little bit from time to time. But they did help spark this renaissance of the paranormal. When now it's not um, a derogatory thing to actually talk about this kind of stuff or you know speak your mind or express you've had these kind of experiences at some point in your life you can actually do that now and not get looked at funny or not get you know get get the scarlet letter of this guy's crazy or this girl's crazy because you had an experience you can't explain and just because you've had an experience you cannot explain does not mean it isn't paranormal doesn't mean it is paranormal. Doesn't mean it isn't paranormal. It means you can't explain it. And so I, I appreciate them for that. And, you know, I've always said, and I said this in a few episodes ago in the mainstream paranormal mainstream episode I did. You know, the more eyes you have looking at something, the better off you are, and the more chances we have to find some answers and, you know, hopefully make some discoveries and document some evidence. We'll never completely answer the question because I don't think it's possible for us to answer this question completely. And there's no such thing as a paranormal expert because we are asking or trying to answer a question we don't even know the question to yet. And so you can't be, you can be more knowledgeable about a topic and that's, a, and that's great, but there's no expert on this because none of this is actually proven true or proven false. We don't know what the paranormal is. We There's so many different theories on what a spirit is or what a ghost is or what happens at death. Where does our consciousness go? Does our consciousness even, is it outside the body? Is the brain the consciousness? Is it housed somewhere else in the ether? And our brain is just a re- receiver of our consciousness, 
almost like an avatar. We don't know these questions. We don't know with 100% accuracy anything when it comes to paranormal. We have faith and we believe something. And that we need to keep that in mind. So you can't be an expert in something when you don't really even know what it is. So, yes, you can have theories and you can have an educated um, guess on what's going on. And that is what I do. But I will never sit here and say it is 100% fact the spirit world is real. I believe something happens to us when we die and it is possible that we can get glimpses into that environment at some point when all the arrows align and all the dots are connected. We can interact with that world at some point or see an apparition or hear a disembodied voice. I think it's possible. So something is actually happening, and that is what I mean by the more eyes on the problem, the better chance we have of gaining more knowledge. I mean, you have smarter and more people and smarter people looking into something. You're bound to learn more and actually you know, hopefully gather some knowledge and gather some good evidence. So I appreciate Ghost Adventures for that in Zach. However, at some point, they did take a turn. And I'm not a big fan of the reality, paranormal reality shows, for the mere fact of their entertainment. And that was one reason why I like Ghost Hunters. It, they were okay with not finding anything. They were looking to actually debunk the paranormal. If you watch those show, those old shows you will see that they are, every experience that they had, they were actually trying to debunk it or find a rational explanation for it. And that is what I like, because that is called investigating. That is not entertainment. But at some point, Ghost Adventures really turned the corner. They went more to the dark side. They started talking about demons. And they're investigating, you know, they started steering stories. You can really tell that they were trying to push the paranormal rather than prove the paranormal. And when they started talking about demons and all this evil stuff, it is, it you know, that sells. Let's face it, demons and evil and Satanism, that will get eyes on the screen. And let's be honest, that is what the ultimate goal for them and the production team and the tra- travel channel to get views and get people to watch the show. So it exploits the paranormal in that way. And it doesn't mean you can believe 100% what they say on that show or what they do on the show. So, you know, but that's with all the shows now. It's very entertainment based. There's no such thing as reality television. They are scripting the narrative to engage the viewer and push an agenda. And that is what the Screaming in or Demons in Seattle episode did. They went in there, and I firmly believe this, they went in there or started that investigation, and they were looking to, especially after they investigated for that five hours, they, were, they knew they were going to sculpt, the, sculpt this episode into a hoax type episode and they were going to push that agenda you can even tell by some of their conversations that made the cut that is what they were doing 
And we'll get into a little bit of the evidence here in a little bit. But, you know, I respect Ghost Adventures for the fact they helped get the ball rolling. But when they turned the corner and started talking about demons all the time, everything's evil. And there was one, another episode before I get into it was the Viper Room episode. There's a point in that video or that show when they were doing a ghost box session at the bar, I believe, with one of the employees. And if you know what the Viper Room is, that is the location where River Phoenix died right outside the door. So there's still people that work there today that remember that happening, worked there when that happened. But anyway, they did a ghost box session and they got a response on the ghost box and immediately they pushed it as it was River Phoenix answering a question. Ghost of River Phoenix is still there. Now, maybe he is. I don't know. But the reaction they had and immediately the young lady that was there participating in that um, little ghost box or spirit box session, she said that, oh, that that's River's voice. Now, that is 100% a pitch or a perfect example of confirmation bias. She knew, she worked there when River passed away there. That was a traumatic time for anybody that worked at that location. And you have a paranormal team in there and you get a spirit come through, possible spirit come through a ghost box. Your brain is going to tell you that's River Phoenix and you are going to connect that dot. And that is confirmation bias. I think it's okay to do that to a certain extent, but you have to have that in your back of the mind. You have to explain that to the viewers that sometimes our brains will tell us something that might not be, or it'll trick us into thinking something that's not 100% accurate. And they probably did get a, maybe that was a spirit, but the odds of it being River Phoenix, it might have been, I don't know. But when they pushed that, and really emphasize that. That was when I knew, okay, this show has turned the corner and now it's about entertainment. So that is my issue with them besides the whole, you know, Zach's a little demon crazy. In in the uh, Screaming Room episode here recently where they revisited uh, the uh, Demons in Seattle with Keith episode, he mentioned demons a million times. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but he mentioned, it seemed like every other word was out of his mouth was, demon or demonic and that's not that is the exception not the rule and from my experience and from my research and i trust me i do a lot of research into the paranormal and doing research into stories demonic activity is the exception not the rule it's not as common as they want you to believe in most in in most situations the activity is misunderstood but they play up it and they play that up and they build that and they push it in that direction. That's my really only issue with that show and with the Ghost Adventures crew in general. But they did say and do some things in this Screaming Room, you know, recap or review of Keith's episode that really irked me. And it kind of proved my point a little bit. And it, what confirmed my, uh, what I thought of them and their investigative style. Um, they have always been, you know, they don't, they're not afraid of provoking. 
And I'm okay with provoking to a certain extent if the situation or the activity warrants it. I'm not okay with just provoking because you're not getting not getting anything. That's that's a waste of time. That is is a little disrespectful. But I'm okay with in certain situations. If you are dealing with something a little bit more aggressive, it's okay for you to be a little bit more aggressive. But this when they started talking about this episode, they I give them credit for one thing. They stuck to their guns. They were still saying or alluding to the fact that they felt Keith had faked some of this evidence and that this was done to get hype. Now, there is one little issue with that. You know, it's just a little knick-knack thing. Keith did not reach out to Ghost Adventures. That is not how they heard of his story, got a hold of his um, activity, or knew about his activity. Keith had done a local news story with a local reporter about the activity in the house. During that interview, there was a bang. They caught it on camera. The reporter heard it, and they even commented on it. And that was it. Now, what happened after that was this reporter knew the researcher, Dave, I don't know his last name, but he's on that episode and he's been in a few episodes as well. But she knew Dave. He's a, one of the lead researchers for the Ghost Adventures crew, the TV show. She reached out to him, gave, told him the story, gave him, I guess, a copy of their interview and Dave and according to Keith I believe he said the very next day contacted him so Keith did not reach out to Ghost Adventures At, I believe in our interview he even said that he didn't he never watched Ghost Adventures he didn't know it was a thing I'm gonna have to take him at his word that word at that because I can't prove it or disprove it but I have no reason to doubt him so the whole thing that he was trying to you know, get some recognition through this. You know, that's not... If he was looking to... I would, in my personal opinion, if he was looking to get recognition and get famous off faking... Or this activity, so he faked the activity, he would know who Ghost Adventures is. He would have sent copies to all of them at that time. And there's, you know, there was a... In 2000, I believe this was 2015 when... Ghost Adventures caught wind of it and started talking in, I believe, the uh, episode. They re- they shot the episode in 2015 as well. I believe maybe 2014. Um, a little fuzzy on that. He would have, but he would have been researching. He'd been watching these shows. He would have reached out to all of them. And he didn't do that, that I know of. So that kind of, I don't think he wants the, I don't think he wanted the, recognition and surely he didn't want the recognition that he got there was a large fallout of (laughs) from that episode they got there was a backlash um you know basically called him a liar called him a hoaxer said how could you even waste their time like that so what why would somebody do that and from what he told me in, in that past episode or in that previous interview 
you know, it broke them them up, essentially. Tina moved out after that, when the backlash started. So, why would you actively go and try to search that out and put yourself in that situation? So, but why would they put that out there to get that backlash? And like I said, it broke them up, she moved out, and it wasn't a good time for them. So that's one thing I don't really lend a lot of credibility to, and they really pushed that hard on the Screaming Room episode they did just a week or so ago, or they aired a week or so ago. Now, one thing that they did do on that episode, that most recent episode, that irked me and really shows me their mentality, and this probably irks me more than anything else, and I did lose a little bit of respect for them, as investigators with this. Now, Keith, after that episode aired, you know, Keith brought in... Well, hold on. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. One part of that episode, they said, why would they, you know, I think it was Billy or somebody. Okay. Um, Billy uh, said, you know, they made a comment of, why would they stay in the house if the activity was like that? You know, you get Bibles burning, you know, or posters burning it becomes dangerous why would they stay in that house and keith addressed this in our original interview the active they moved in 2012 the activity was noticed immediately with you know kid coughs and a plant moving up being talked or tossed over that is you know it started to escalate now what ghost adventures does not tell you in that episode, or in the screaming, in the original episode, or in the screaming room episode, activity died down in 2013. They had a little brief run of activity. There wasn't much going on in 2013. And then in 2014, things started picking up. And according to Keith, you know, they did have a priest in to do some kind of ritual exorcism of the house. And it made it worse, and things started to escalate from there and build and build and build. And then we get to where we are at, you know, right around the 2015 range. Now, I know I've lived in homes with activity. It's not that easy just to get up and leave. So I don't fault them for that. I Every time, you know, I've like I said, I've had activity in a home, and I've never once thought about moving out. And I've had some scary activity. I've been scratched. I've been not pushed, but I've been, well, not pushed over, but I've been pulled at pretty good and, you know, almost pulled out of bed. And I never thought about leaving. That's not my style. That's, you know, and now I can't, I never had anything catch on fire like a Bible. If that happened, that might change my tune a little bit. But when the activity dies down for a whole year, basically, you know, that explains why they didn't move immediately and then they started getting activity and it built and they did he did move out eventually you know two years later i believe so that kind of you know that answers that question a little bit and that's really common when it comes to activity you know sometimes it builds sometimes it you know it's not consistent it might go a year or two with nothing and then bam it happens again and comes back with a vengeance that is very, very 
common in paranormal activity. And I think you have to cover all bases, and I think Ghost Adventures should explain that. They know this. They have to know this. If they're experts in the field, which they're not, no, like I said earlier, nobody's an expert. They are well. They have a lot of knowledge, have a lot of experience. So yes, they should know this, and they should say that and express that. Hey, yes, they could move, but it's not always that simple. Now, the thing that really irked me was, like I said, Keith brought in another team after, actually two teams after that episode aired and the backlash happened. Um, immediately after that episode aired, you know, the backlash started and people were, you know, calling for their heads essentially because heaven forbid they waste Ghost Adventures time. A team from the East Coast, now Bothell's in Seattle or in Washington, I guess close to Seattle, I'm not, I don't know exactly, I know it's in Washington. But a team from the East Coast called up Keith and said, hey, we we saw the story, we saw the episode, we want to investigate this place and kind of, you know, tell your side of the story and get, you know, and do a true investigation. Now, what this team did, and, he, well, here's why that, what aggravated me about the way Ghost Adventures addressed this in their latest episode when they reviewed it. You know, he, Keith, or, uh, Zach said, well, they've had other teams, they had another team come in, and he said it with that look on his that smart-ass kind of look, like, well, he had another team come in. I don't know their credibility. Whatever he said, that is so freaking disrespectful. He doesn't know their credibility. So the fact that you didn't take the time to find out what this other team was about, you are not the complete and total expert when it comes to the paranormal. You're not the end-all, be-all. There are other people with valid opinions, valid theories. Just because you have a TV show doesn't make you better than anybody else. You caught lightning in a bottle. You're a film student that was at the perfect place at the perfect time. And that's it. So don't take that attitude about other teams. Other teams or other groups that come in. Now, the one group, what they did, here's exactly what they did. They called Keith. They said, hey, we want to investigate. We know you have cameras there. We want to review those cameras for, I believe it was five or six months, five days a week, 24 hours a day. They had team uh, groups set up to watch these cameras. And we will see what we, you know, we'll see what we see. And if it warrants it, we'll come out and live in that house for a while. That is what they did. In that time, they, you know, they said, okay, yeah, there's definitely some stuff going on here. We want to come out and, you know, stay. They did that. Now, another team came, or two guys came from the UK. They were more parapsychologists. They were scientific-based. And we'll kind, of, we'll kind of cover this next week when we talk to Keith in a little bit more in detail because I'm running short of time. I want to keep this a little shorter, and I kind of got a little long-winded there. But they found evidence. You know, one thing that Ghost Adventures did say was there wasn't a Native American connection. You know, Keith talked about that a little in our interview. Yes, there is a Native, there were, there is a Native American connection to that area. You can, like Keith said, you can Google it and see it. Um, the priest that came in and did the exorcism said, 
which they inter- they were interviewed by the other team or the two guys from UK. He believed that there was a burial ground either under the house or nearby or somewhere nearby, and that was part of the problem. That was why they were experiencing so much. But they immediately, Ghost Adventures took the toll that there was no Native American history at all in Bothell. That's not the case. A quick Google search, you can figure it, you can see that there was Native American activity in that area. What really, really questions their investigative skills, I shouldn't say investigative skills, but somebody dropped the ball on this big time, and this is the nail in the coffin for me when it comes to their credibility to a certain extent, because I know I wouldn't do this. I'd do everything I could to stop or to investigate this further. The first thing you do when I do when I go into investigation, I want to know the history of the place, of this house. We're dealing with a certain house. I want to know who lived here before. Did they experience anything? Keith wasn't the only residence of that house. There was somebody in there before. And he tells the story of how he did, got a piece of mail, got the name, and reached out on Facebook, found her, or found the family, contacted them, said, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm experiencing. Did you have anything like this? And she immediately told him, yes, we, that place was a living hell. And those are her words, who he talked to. That place was a living hell. Kitchen cabinet doors opening, drawers opening, Things being moved. And at one point, they had a nanny watching the kid during the day. The nanny was so scared, took the kid out of the house for the day. She couldn't be in there anymore. Now, Keith gave Ghost Adventures this kind of information. They knew about this. Now, I would hope to God they actually researched it and reached out to this person and validated it. And if they did that and they left that on the cutting room floor... That shows you they were pushing a narrative of trying to play the whole hoax card with this one. Because that backs up Keith's story. This lady said this place was a living hell. It, it was a down, it was the end of everything. It, You know, they are still recovering from, at the time of, you know, uh, Keith talking to him, And then even, you know, there was correspondence for him. They were still dealing with it at that time. So... Did they not just, did they, if they didn't research this or follow up on this, they're piss poor investigators, or at least the research team sucks. I mean, that is valuable information. You have to, you know, if Keith faked it, fine. But he didn't know about it. He didn't know about these people till after the fact. These, this other family validates their claims. That, you have to present that. If you're doing a valid, a real investigation, you have to, you have to tell us that. But you didn't. You were sculpting a narrative of because we didn't get anything, they hoaxed it. Didn't address that in the follow-up. This, if it's okay not to find evidence when you're there, just owe up to it and say, hey, we we just didn't catch any evidence. It didn't happen while we were there. I can't say whether it is or isn't. I know. Other people have found evidence. Other people have had experiences there. We didn't have any, so we can't say either way. But, you know, just to say that this was a 
you know, complete and total hoax when they didn't tell the whole story. That is what these TVs or TV shows do. They don't tell you the whole story. They're giving you a narrative. They're pushing an agenda. And that's not what paranormal investigating is. Paranormal investigating is getting all the evidence you can, doing all the research you can, getting the history of the place, and forming a conclusion. Whether there's activity is intelligent, residual, or nothing at all, or just there's some rational explanations for all of it. Some environmental explanations. Creaky floors. You know, a vent that leads outside. You're catching, you know, disembodied voices. That's really people outside. You know, you have to do a full investigation and present all of it. But TV shows don't do that. And that is why you have to watch these things with a grain of salt. But... Anyway, you know, we'll talk more about the uh, other teams, especially uh, Steve Meyer and Don Phillips, who were from the UK that came in and got an abundance, 400 and some odd EVPs. Um, they really pursued the Native American issue aspect, I guess, of it. And they believe there is something really going on with this house. Now, what makes it interesting is, in, in their opinion, this is their opinion, and I find it fascinating is, Fascinating is it is poltergeist type activity, but poltergeist activity only happens when the people are in the house, and these people lived in the house. These two guys stayed there for five days. The first time I don't I know they came back for another, um, another time, but they you know they lived there twenty four hours a day. They experienced everything. They got great evidence. Apparently they. Realized it was poltergeist type activity, but it was happening when Keith wasn't around. So it was kind of poltergeist activity, but not poltergeist activity. Now, does this mean this is evil? Does this mean this is a demon? I don't know. Possibly. Um, but it's very interesting. And hopefully, you know, Keith, we'll talk a little bit more about the Steve Meyer and Don Phillips investigation and that other team's investigation and what he's been up to since then. I just think. Ghost Adventures should have came clean and said, hey, we just didn't, instead of being defensive and continually pushing the hoax agenda, maybe Keith did ho hoax it all. I don't think so. He seems up and up. I've talked to him. I talked to him for an hour and some, hour and 40 minutes during that interview. And we had, you know, we talked before that through the correspondence, through email. We talked on the phone before that. I don't think he faked it. I mean, the video, the video they show and the video he gave them is of some stuff moving in the hallway. You know, they talk about how you can't see what down the hall somebody could have ducked. And he was looking in that direction right when it happened. That was just a clip of the video. I'm, I'd bet my bottom dollar that there was more to that video than just what we saw. You know, he caught maybe, I would assume he was panning around, holding it, and then it just... Boom, he got lucky. I don't think he I don't think he was hoaxing this because of the previous tenant. Um, there's been some stuff happen or a new person bought the house. Um, I don't he didn't know of any activity, but he does have some 
interesting theory on something happened then or afterwards that the people did something to the house that could be possible they were experiencing something they were doing something to hopefully calm that down a little bit but this is a fascinating case and i just wish ghost adventures would have owed up to it say hey we didn't get anything i don't know what's going on i know other teams have got some stuff there it's possible that you know, there's something there. We did. We just didn't get it. That's all they would have had to do. I've investigated places they've been to and got plenty of activity. I didn't get anything. I didn't, you know, say immediately go to Ghost Adventures was hoaxing stuff or hoaxing anything. I just, I didn't get it. Yeah, I was frustrated, but it's just, it is what it is. And I hope, I would, I just wish they would have said, hey, we just didn't get anything. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe we didn't get anything and ended it at that. So I don't know. That's going to wrap up this episode. Just a kind of a recap in of the Bothell Hell House. Um, be sure to tune in next week, either live. Hopefully we're still live. I don't know. Hell, I don't know. Maybe not. A storm might be playing. Playing might have done done something to my internet. I don't know. Uh, but I'm recording, so there'll be a video, and naturally there'll be a um, podcast episode on my RSS feed. You can catch however you take in these episodes, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Libsyn, or uh, TuneIn. Pretty much everywhere you get a podcast, you can find a podcast episode. It should be out Thursday, possibly Friday. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at night underscore ghost. Naturally, on Facebook at um, Ghost in the Night. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. And if you were on, which I don't think, I don't think we're live anymore. Oh, well. But check it out anyway. Um, be sure to tune in next week. Hopefully, the, the internet will be working a little better or something. I don't know. I'll find out. I'll call, I'll call Frankie. I think he's the one who sent me a text saying, um, there's some kind of error but Keith will be on next week's episode I will try to go live again um, it'll be Wednesday at 10 o'clock I'm planning on doing the live interview with Keith again that is you know, when he's available so I'm going to do it on Wednesday thank you for listening we'll see you next week everybody take care presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. My name's Barry. I live right above you. I don't host parties. I host after parties. They're like parties, only louder and nobody goes home. You can see right here I ripped out all the carpeting because it was holding me back with my pogo stick. Man's got a pogo. Oh, I'm a prankster. I'll grease up a soda can and then when somebody grabs it, boom! <laughs> Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.